we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Humility is not the subjugation of the desire that seeks fulfilment in success, nor is it the religious humility of monks, saints and priests that cultivated austerity brings about. Hello and welcome to episode 190 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives, representing different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions that we all face in our lives. This week's theme is humility. Upcoming themes are seeking, reactions and limitation. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust based at Brockwood Park in Hampshire, UK. Brockwood is also home to Brockwood Park School, a unique international boarding school offering a personalised holistic education for around 70 students. It is deeply inspired by Krishnamurti's teaching, which encourages academic excellence, self-understanding, creativity and integrity. Please visit brockwood.org. UK for more information. You can also find our regular Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on humility has four sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's fourth talk in Bombay, 1962, titled Without Humility You Cannot Learn. Without humility, you cannot learn. And learning is not a matter of accumulation. Then it becomes merely knowledge. There is a vast difference between accumulated information as knowledge and learning without the centre of accumulation. And this is important to understand, because what, when we talk about fear, and we are going to learn the whole issue involved in fear, without humility you will never be free from that extraordinary thing called fear. So we must understand what is learning. 
learning demands a mind that is that has clarity and compassion with precision without these two there is no humility that is a mind that's capable of thinking very clearly rationally sanely without any perversion and a heart that is precise and these two must exist when there is humility and humility implies learning it humility is not a quality to be cultivated the moment you cultivate humility it ceases to be what it is it's not a virtue virtue is merely an order to have order is necessary order in the room order in your mind order in your life order in your speech dress and so on in your behavior all that implies virtue but humility is not virtue it exists from moment to moment it exists when the mind is aware alert learning watching absorbing and humility is that quality which is essentially the nature of affection because without affection without a sense of deep love you cannot learn you can learn how deeply you are vain how frustrating it is and this process of learning is in flashes from moment to moment do please understand this that learning cannot be continuous the moment it has a continuity it is accumulating and therefore it ceases to learn, ceases to be learning you can only learn when the mind is fresh eager innocent and that can only happen when there is from moment to moment when there is no accumulation when there is no gathering storing up a center from which you learn if there is a center from which you learn it's merely an additive process adding to it and therefore it ceases to be learning and we are going to learn about the problem of fear 
But to learn about fear is to have the capacity to investigate and to learn from that investigation and not to be permanently free of fear. You have got to learn. And the moment you say, I must be permanently free from fear, you have already established the knowledge of continuity. And therefore you will never be free of fear. So we are going to learn. And to learn there must be clarity of mind and the precision of compassion. Without these two, learning is not possible and therefore there is no humility. So, as I said at the beginning of this talk, there must be humility. Humility never accepts and never denies. It's arrogant, arrogance to accept or to deny. Humility is that extraordinary capacity to learn. to learn, to find out, to investigate. But if you have already the accumulation of your investigation, then you are not learning. Therefore you cease to be humble. And it's very important to have humility, because it is, the, it is that essential quality which, know, which has affection. Without humility there is no love. And love is not a thing that has root in the mind, root in thought. So it's only from this extraordinary sense of humility this sense of precision which comes with compassion and the clarity of mind, it's only then that fear ceases. And where there is the cessation of fear, the ending of fear, there is no sorrow. The second extract is from the 10th talk in Sanan, 1962, titled You Cannot Cultivate Humility. I would like this morning to go into something which I feel is very important, which is first, 
To realize the outward movement and the inward movement are the same. Not to divide the outer and the inner. Not to say the outward world and the inward world. It's like a tide that goes out and comes in. The tide can go very far out, and that same tide can come in very, very, very deeply. But if we divide life as the outer and the inner, the spiritual and the non-spiritual, the material and the non-material, and all the conflicts and divisions and contradictions arise. But if we actually experience this movement as the outer as well as the inner, then there is no conflict. Then the inward movement is not a reaction from the outer, it is not an escape from the world, it is not a withdrawal into a monastery, into an isolated tower. It's a movement, both the outer, the external and the inward. And when one has understood the significance of the outer, then the inward movement is not the opposite of the outer. It is something that is without reaction and therefore can proceed more deeply and immensely. And I think that's the first thing to understand, not to divide the outer and the inner. And there is a great deal of beauty in this non-divisible, unitary process. And it is a unitary process. But to go into this unitary process more deeply, more extensively, one must understand this nature of humility. You know, most of us actually, if I may point out, do not know what it is to be humble to have that sense of complete humility. Humility is not a virtue to be cultivated. The moment you cultivate humility, there is no humility. You are or you are not. And to have this humility, you must understand this outer, and the inward movement as a unitary process. And having deeply gathered, understood this extraordinary meaning of this life as a whole, the life which is sorrow, which is pleasure, which is pain, which is seeking everlastingly some resting place, 
and searching out something which it calls God or gives it another name, to understand all this, not reject it, not accept it, but to understand it. I mean by that word understand <coughs> to, to be in a state of choiceless awareness, to be aware, to listen, to listen to your wife, to your husband, choicelessly, to listen to the wind among the trees, to listen to that water flowing, rushing by, to see the mountains, to be aware negatively. And then you will see out of this negative awareness, when there is an understanding of the outer and not treated as separate, as something unspiritual, not worthy, but as a movement, as a total unitary movement, then out of that comes a great sense of humility. Because a mind that has no humility can never learn. It can accumulate knowledge, it can gather more and more information. Both knowledge and information are superficial. And I do not know quite why there is such pride, such arrogance in knowing, in acquiring knowledge. It's all in the encyclopedia, and it is silly to accumulate knowledge which is used for personal pride and arrogance. And when there is humility, which is not a thing to be achieved, but you will come to it naturally, easily, gracefully, when this movement of the outer and the inner is understood as a one solid, total process, then you begin to learn. I mean by that word learning, a state of mind which never accumulates, however pleasant the experience, a state of mind which never avoids a sorrow, a pain. Therefore it's always in a state of learning. And such a mind has humility. And you will say, out of this humility comes discipline. Because most of us are not disciplined, we conform, we are just, we imitate, we suppress or sublimate, but such process is not discipline, control is not discipline, 
it is merely the urge of fear to conform and therefore discipline destroys and makes the mind narrow, stupid, dull. But I am talking of a discipline that comes into being when there is this extraordinary sense of humility in which there is learning and out and this learning demand this learning is discipline in itself you don't have to impose discipline i hope i am making this very clear because this so called discipline of the soldier the discipline that technique offices labor demands is efficiency efficiency to kill and be killed efficiency to function in a shop as a bus driver or as a mechanic all that demands efficiency and in order to achieve efficiency one disciplines oneself which is to conform to the pattern which will produce an efficient entity who will function in a particular job completely i am not talking of this mechanical discipline we are talking of a discipline which is entirely different and that discipline comes up by itself when one understands this extraordinary process of life as a whole man as a whole not in fragments in fragmentation when we understand ourselves as a total entity not departmentalized not as a musician as an artist as a speaker as a, a yogi and all the rest of it but as a complete human being then out of this understanding there is a learning and that very act of learning is discipline in which there is no conformity no adjustment and therefore the mind not being disciplined to fit itself to a particular pattern is free and out of this and in this freedom there is an extraordinary sense of discipline and i think it is important to understand this because for most of us freedom implies to do what one desires or what one instincts 
or what one calls, unfortunately, intuition. But that's not freedom. Freedom implies total emptying of the mind of the known. I do not know if you ever tried for yourself to free the mind from the known, or rather for the mind to free itself from the known. One cannot free the mind, the mind cannot free itself from technological knowledge. You must have it. It cannot free itself from the knowledge of where you live, but it can free itself from the accumulated tradition experience, the various conscious and unconscious urges, compulsions, which are all the reactions of the known, to deny, to put aside, to die to the known. If you have ever tried it, then you will see what that extraordinary thing called freedom is. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's seventh talk in Sanan, 1978, titled Power and Humility. Why is the mind occupied so endlessly? The businessman with his business, the artist with his painting, the pianist with... you follow? And you and I, ordinary people, oh, dozens occupations. Why? Is it fear of not being occupied? If you are not occupied, what? What are you then? You follow? If you are not thinking about yourself, how you look, how you dress, how you walk, and how you, or your feelings, your desires, your ambitions, your vanity, your arrogance, and all the rest of it, if you don't, if you are not occupied with all that, you might be occupied with the United Nations, <laughs> which is the same thing. I won't go into the United Nations, it's not the right place. So we are occupied with something or another. Sex, good or bad, no one right. Why? Is it because, please look, find out, ask, find out, is it because if you are not occupied you are absolutely nothing? And being, realizing nothing, my, my God, I must feel that, I'm frightened. So can you be nothing? 
actually what you are. You may call yourself by a name, you have a particular face and so on, bank account, house, but strip all that, what are you? Strip your knowledge, your occupation, your endeavours, you know all that. What? Those are memories, words, Remove the words, remove the memory, Cont- you know, not become insane or lose your memory or senility, but actually, when you are alive, full of energy, which is being wasted in occupation, when that is not occupied, when there is no occupation, there is tremendous energy in nothingness. Test it out. Don't accept a thing from anybody. So we said, problems, time, space. Man! Or woman, when I say man includes woman, so don't be women's lib. When we say man and woman, they've always see, sought power. Power over themselves, controlling themselves, which gives a certain sense of power in oneself. If you can completely control yourself, you understand? You feel very strong, sense of power, or the power of a politician whom you have elected, or, like in the totalitarian states, they have assumed power. And power is one of the problems of man. You understand? And there's the other power, which is clairvoyancy, reading thoughts, all that, so-called the occult. You understand? So these two types of power, physical, psychological power over another, the power that one come, the power that comes when there's complete absolute control of oneself. And then there is the power, the hidden power, persuasive power, the power of propaganda, the power of authority. And those who are in authority are always seeking to entrench themselves more and more in power. Right? Why does man demand power? You understand? 
Why? Why do you want power over another? Wife or husband, or husband or the wife or the girl or the and so on. Why? See, which is power means arrogance. Power implies vanity. I know you don't know. I am the boss and you're not. I am the acknowledged guru and you're a poor chap, you're a disciple down below. Why? Why do we accept this thing? Because that's destroying man, you follow? Because it, again, it emphasizes the me. The me, which is identified itself with the nation, with the group, with the country, and in that identification I feel very strong, for all that follows, and man has never been able to solve this question of power. Which means man doesn't know what it means to be to have humility. You understand? You understand? Because without humility, you can't investigate. You can't look. Without humility you can't love another. Without humility there is no compassion. The man who has power tries to be compassionate, tries to love. That's obvious nonsense. Like a man who is ambitious, he cannot love. So humility comes into being when you understand the nature of power, you, do, you can't cultivate humility. Then you, what you are cultivating is vanity under the cloak of humility. The final extract in this episode is from the fourth talk in Sarnan, 1961, titled Humility Implies Total Destruction of the Self. Seriousness is that urge, the intention to go to the very end of things, to discover the essence And if there is not that urge, that compulsive energy that drives one to discover what is true, I'm afraid 
discussions, these talks here, will have, will be, will have very little significance. And I would like this morning, and it's a pity to talk on a lovely morning like this, to go into the question of humility and learning. Of course, humility is not that pretentious vanity, vanity which cloaks under the name of humility, being vain, one pretends to be humble. Humility is not virtue, because anything that is cultivated, dragged out, disciplined, controlled, does not bring about humility. It's not a thing to be sown and reaped. It must come into being. And humility is not the subjugation of desire. Desire which seeks fulfillment in success. It is something entirely different. And I feel without humility, one can't go very far. I do not mean religious humility, the humility of the monks, the saints and the priests. The humility which cultivated austerity brings into being. It is something entirely different. And to go to the very end of it and to actually experience it, to live with it, so that every corner of one's mind all the dark, secret, hidden places of one's own heart and mind are exposed to this humility. So that one is soaked in it. And if we can go to the very end, which is the essence of humility, I think we have to consider what is learning. Do we ever learn? And is all learning not mechanical? the additive process 
which forms a center. And that center experiences. And the experience becomes memory. The experience is memory, which colors all further experiences, further information, further intimation and hints. Is learning further accumulation as knowledge? And if there is the accumulative process, as experience, as knowledge, as a being and becoming, is there then humility? If the mind is crammed full, filled with knowledge, with experience, with memory, it cannot possibly receive the new. And is not the total emptying of the mind necessary? for that which is timeless to come into being. And does that not mean total, complete sense of a, of a mind that, is, that has humility, that is not becoming, that does not accumulate, that is no longer seeking or learning? I wonder if one has learnt anything, one has gathered, one has had many, many experiences, incidents, which have left their marks, which you have stored up as remembrances. Those are all mechanical processes. I learn a language. A new way of exploring the heavens and so on. Those are all accumulative mechanical processes and which we call learning. And this mechanical process of learning leaves a center, the center which accumulates as knowledge, which resists, which experiences, 
which it desires to be free. which asserts, which denies, which ac accepts, discards, which is always in battle, in conflict. It is this centre that is accumulating and emptying itself. the positive movement of acquiring and the negative movement of denying. This process what we, is what we call learning. I am sure some of you, if you will excuse my saying so, are trying to learn something from the speaker. But you are not going to learn anything from me, because you can only learn something which is mechanical. We are not dealing with ideas. We are not dealing with descriptions of something else. We are concerned with the fact, with what is. And to understand what is, is not a process, a mechanical process, a process which, which, which by looking you gather, you add to yourself either to diminish the centre, or to enlarge the centre. And this centre, accumulated through centuries, conditioned by society, by religions, by experiences, by education, from this centre we always try to change, change our qualities, our way of thinking, implant a new set of ideas, discarding the old. So, this centre is always trying to reform itself, to destroy itself, in order to get more. And that's what we are doing all the time. From the centre we try to change. Please do listen to what well, the speaker is talking about this center is what we call the ego, the self, or whatever name you like to give to it. The name is irrelevant, but the fact is, what is is important. And in this process of change, there is violence. 
All change implies violence. And through the violence there is nothing new. When one says, I must control myself, subjugate myself, conform myself to a pattern, all that implies violence. The saints, the, the leaders, the teachers, the prophets, they all talk about changing, controlling, implying violence. Obviously, to conform means violence. To di- discipline oneself, the center disciplining itself to a pattern implies violence. And then we talk about the ideals of non-violence. So change implies, does it not, a violence within the field of time. I am this and I am going to be that. I am going to force myself to be that. That is in the distance, the ideal, the example, the norm. And in this process, this process is violence. And in this process there is peace and violence, the opposites, and the conflict of the opposites. And we say that I must learn. All about myself, all about this thing. And for us, learning is accumulative, which only strengthens the center. So if one sees that, if one realizes that, experiences that, not merely verbally, intellectually, but actually experience this fact that where there is the center which demands change and in that realizes in that change there is violence, there can never be peace. So, for me, there is no learning, there is only seeing. is not accumulative. Seeing a fact is not... there is no process of gathering in or denying. Seeing what is. I 
and seeing what is, is destructive. And in destruction there is peace, not violence. Violence, revolution, change, exists in the process of accumulation of which the centre is always trying to gather. But when one sees that, totally, completely, with, with one's whole being, then the fact that is, what is, is, is completely destructive. And what is destruction is creation. So humility is that state of mind which has discarded completely all the accumulative processes and its opposites, and is from moment to moment aware of what is. Therefore it has no opinion, no judgment. Therefore such a mind knows what is freedom. A mind in violence has no freedom. A mind that is seeking freedom can never be free, because to it freedom is further accumulation. And to arrive at that freedom implies more violence or forcing the mind to be quiet to deny, to control itself, to twist all the desires in order to be free. Humility implies total destruction, not of outward social things, but complete destruction of the centre of oneself, of one's own traditions, ideas, experiences, knowledge, completely 
emptying their mind of everything that it has known. Therefore, such a mind is no longer thinking in terms of change. It's really a marvelous thing if you if one can feel that. You see, that's part of meditation. That's not what, what we want to discuss this morning. We'll do it another time. What is meditation? But without <coughs> understanding what is change, because that's what we want, most of us, to change. And the world is changing extra, very rapidly, changing in outward things, going to the moon and all the rest of rockets and all that, changing of values. Coca-Cola is spreading throughout the world, radios, the ancient civilizations are toppling over. And that's what we call change. The rapidity of change is greater than the fact of change. All the ancient gods, all the traditions, the saviors, the masters, they're all going, gone. And few people hold on to them, building a defense around themselves. And so, the mind that is defending itself, the mind that is changing, is always seeking further shelter, further refuge. It's not concerned with destruction. It's not concerned with creation. So if you go very deeply, and seriously into the question of humility, you are bound to question this whole problem of learning. The learning of words, which prevents the seeing of things as they are. And so, a mind 
that is no longer concerned with change, has no fear, And a mind that has no fear is free. And it seems to me such a mind is absolutely essential, not the intellectual mind, that has its own place, not the argumentative, clever, cunning mind, but a mind that has understood this, the thing that we are talking about. Such a mind not seeking not trying to change itself into another state or into another pattern, no longer exposing itself to further experiences and demanding, asking. Such a mind is free, and it is only such a mind that can be quiet, still, And perhaps then that which is nameless can come into being. But humility is essential, not the cultivated kind which is artificial. not vanity posing as humility, not the mind that is crippled with infinite knowledge and experiences seeking humility. You know, one must be without capacity, without gift, be as nothing inwardly. And I think if one sees this, not learns about how to be nothing, which is too stupid and silly, But one actually sees this. And the seeing is the experiencing of it.
And then perchance the other thing can come into being. 